Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Story time. I lived out near Colton, Oregon, on a farm or ranch about five miles out of town. It was in the fall, about 10 years ago. My Doberman was making some racket just about dark, and my son and I went out to see what it was. As the raunchy smell hit me, I noticed on top of the hill behind the house a Bigfoot. Just standing there, not more than 75 yards away. Not particularly scared as the thing was up the hill, my first reaction was to shout at it, and it went lumbering away awkward like its knees never straightened, but it still took large strides. The doby dog headed for the house with its little doby tail trying to get between his legs. It was a big stocky male, I said, 500 and maybe 7 feet tall. All he did was just stand there looking at us, the only noise may be a grunting sound. A few days later at my mother-in-law's place on the edge of Colton, there were Bigfoot tracks in the new snow across the creek from their trailer home. They were of three individuals, a larger, a medium, and a small set. Measurements weren't taken. First off, I would like to keep my name confidential. Just for the fact that this happened on an Air Force base and I don't know who reads this stuff. This happened sometime in September of 99. I forget the exact date. It was early in the month though. It was between 2 and 3 a.m. I was a security forces airman, working third shift, on base patrol. Now mind you, this is an Air National Guard base that I worked at, full time. It's on the north side of Duluth, Minnesota, next to the International Airport. North to northeast is nothing but large wooded areas. Forest areas. Third shift on the base was pretty boring, 10 p.m. to 6 a.m., and us full-timers worked a skeleton crew, usually only five to six of us, on third shift. I was in the patrol truck, doing my usual rounds, checking doors and fence lines. Late at night, on the north side of the base was usually creepy enough when patrolling by yourself. Anyways, I was on this road, driving towards our baseball field, when my headlights caught a pair of eyes reflecting back at me. They were almost eye-level with me, and I was sitting in an F-150. Around this time, a few of the guys had been seeing this huge buck around the property, like a 16-pointer or something around that size. I was about 80 yards or so, when I saw these eyes reflecting back at me. So, I'm thinking it was a big deer. I gotta see this thing. So, 
I hit the gas and started speeding towards the field. This is where it all happened so fast. It's almost hard to explain. There was a little slope, behind the baseball field. It sloped down, probably about 12 to 15 feet, into a brush line. The brush went about 30 feet, then turned into a thick tree line. The brush was probably armpit high to me and pretty tough to traverse through, being so thick. As I turned into the baseball field and turned the truck towards the thing, I just caught the rear end of the thing leaping down the slope, below the line of sight of my headlights. The thing was no more than about 20 feet ahead of me when it leapt. All I got a look at was the back end of the thing, and it was big. The best I can do to describe it is to say that it was wolf or dog-like in nature. It had a long tail, longer than two feet. The hind legs looked exactly like that of a dog's, same with the back paws, but the paws were huge. They were bigger than my hands, for sure. The hair or fur was wavy, yet matted and thick. The color was blondish or very light brown. I didn't notice any gray in it, but this all happened within about two to three seconds. I sat in my patrol truck for a couple of seconds, confused and thinking, I know what I saw, but it couldn't have been what I saw. So, I hopped out, with my flashlight, and M16 rifle, and walked to the edge of the slope. All I heard was the thing running through the woods in front of me, heading in a northwest direction and this thing sounded like a moose charging through the trees. It made a lot of noise. That's when I started to get really scared, thinking, if this is some sort of wolf or whatever it could be, my M16 isn't going to do a thing to this animal. So, I jumped back into my patrol truck as fast as I could and headed back to the SF headquarters. I never told any of the other members about this, for fear of ridicule or being called crazy. There is no way I misidentified this thing. I'm a trained observer, an avid hunter and have worked with animal rehabilitation, with the Minnesota DNR, in the past. I know my animals in the North Woods extremely well. I saw exactly what I saw. And that was the back end of a large wolf or dog thing, that basically had its eyes level with mine, while I was in a patrol truck. The back end was definitely much larger than any of the largest deer or black bears I've seen. The points I remember the clearest were the tail and back paws, as well as the texture and color of the hair or fur. This is my story. I have never told it to anyone, in fear of ridicule. I swear it to be the truth. I am an anthropology graduate of Humboldt State University, where I studied primatology under Rosalind Ribnick. Her training about Bigfoot during the course enabled me to understand and deal with our strange encounter. It was my sister, a veterinarian, my girlfriend, and I who were traveling and camping throughout Oregon when we pulled over to sleep for the night. Moments after laying out our bags, we were screamed at from the springs not more than 50 yards away. This was a typical Sasquatch warning to others, as well as a threat to us for being in its territory. The stomping, obvious bipedal crunching in the brush, and shrieking lasted about 20 minutes. I told my team to lay still, we were actually frozen with adrenalized fear and couldn't move. We could not make out any shapes, it was hiding and wouldn't come any closer, but I was positive it was a rogue male Sasquatch we had startled from upstream.
The sound was so blood-curdling and loud it hurt our eardrums and gave us mountain-sized goosebumps. Feel free to contact me further if you'd like, I've been involved in Sasquatch research for years. Me and my grandfather sometimes go fishing at local lakes and rivers. Since it's fishing, you sometimes have to hike always before actually make it to the lake or river. And me and him would often fish at night, since the sun isn't beating down on the lake and the fish would come out to cool off. 9 PM, sun is setting, us on the hike to the lake. Everything is calm, even pretty cause the way the sun hits the leaf on the tree is somewhat mesmerizing. We get to the lake, set up two chairs for us to each sit in, and place down a cooler for our cans of soda. I have a snack bag full of ready-made sandwiches, the type you would get at Speedway. We cast our poles out in hopes of catching some catfish, as they actually taste better than frozen ones. Flash forward to 1am, me on my phone, since I have a battery pack and my phone's battery is op, and my grandfather snaps his head in a specific direction. This makes sense at first, cause he might have seen a huge fish, but this isn't the case. He then looks at me with fear in his eyes. Buddy, this is his nickname for me, you saw that, right? I glare at him, cause has the fun-loving grandpa and I thought he was pulling a prank on me. See what? I ask back. He then points to the same direction, and I don't see anything except trees. No grandpa, I don't. He stirs in his chair. Ten minutes later, I heard a twig snap. Same direction as last time. He looks at me again. Hear that? He whispers. I nod. I have the body of a linebacker, but this startles me. Fifteen minutes after, my grandfather shakes me. We gotta go. Now. I nod, cause if something terrifies him that much, I know he isn't playing. We pack up everything. He then randomly asks me if I see anything behind him. And I did. It was a tall man, about 20 feet behind him. The man didn't look like he was carrying any weapons, but his appearance was terrifying. You couldn't see any of him, he was basically a shadow. He was standing like a scarecrow would stand, arms out. But not like, all the way. Kind like an upside down V. Yeah. There is. I respond. The first thing that went through my mind equals run. Run? I asked my grandfather. Run. We went off running, carrying all the gear at the same time. We didn't stop till we were back at the car. We loaded everything up in the trunk, and just in time too. The man was at the trail entrance, 15 feet away from the car. He was still standing like he was last time. We hop in, start the car, and speed off. We ran into an officer whom pulled us over, and we told him the whole thing. He then followed us back there, and only one thing was found. The only thing he found that made him believe us was a third pair of boot prints, in the same direction as the noises were originally heard. Our shoe soles didn't even fit the pattern of the boots, not even vaguely. The officer said he would put extra patrols near the road, and he let us off with a warning. Me and my grandfather still fish, but at different locations. And we always make sure to bring something to protect ourselves with, in case if we have a similar issue. We always make sure not to fish on private property, 
or never fish near high water. We still fish late at night. After this incident though, we stopped fishing for a while. We just started again about one week ago, and we're still on edge. I'm a city girl, so I don't know a thing about tracks. Last winter, I was at the cabin and saw prints, in the snow, next to the small creek, near the frozen pond. The prints were a big circle, with three, smaller circles, above the big circle. I wear a size 7 shoe, but wear a size 8 boot, to provide room, for extra socks. The print was bigger than my boot, which measures 11 inches long. I went home and looked on the internet, to see what kind of print it was. After doing that, I decided it must have been a wolf. After I heard about Dogman, a month or so ago, I checked the Bemidji Wolf Center's website and discovered that wolf prints only get to be about 5.5 inches long. Since I don't know anything about tracks, I couldn't tell if it was a four- or two-legged creature, that had left the track. Of course, at the time, the two-legged possibility was the furthest thing from my mind. I told my friend about the tracks and that I thought they might have been dogman tracks. Although he was my friend, he said he didn't believe in dogman. He did say that a guy we went to high school with, back in the 80s, with whom my friend played music, at the time, said he had seen the devil, in the woods, when he was up north, hunting. He said it had red eyes, stood on two legs, had a dog head, was huge, and stared at him and then jumped across the gully he was in like it was nothing. One thing I forgot to mention is that I had a tough little Lhasa Apso with me when I saw those tracks. He is usually a fearless dog, but he would not leave my side all that weekend. I couldn't even get him to go outside the cabin alone, to go to the bathroom. Also, my 300 pounds brother is afraid of the cabin and won't go up there alone. He doesn't believe in dog man or Bigfoot, but something about the place creeps him out. I've gone up there alone but rarely go outside, after dark. Once in a while, I find myself finishing up in the sauna, after dark and rush back to the cabin, which is about 100 yards away. I use an indoor bucket, instead of the outhouse, in the winter, when the water is turned off. I'm going to make sure that I put curtains up, on all the windows, now that I've heard your shows. When I was younger, I used to travel everywhere by bike even long distance because I could decide when I wanted to leave instead of having to ask for a lift. One night I was coming back from a chilling at a friend house, it was past midnight and I had an hour of cycling ahead of me. I took the cycle path which used to be a railway a long time ago. So it goes through mostly wooded areas in my small hometown. All the path that's within my hometown borders isn't lit, since I'm probably the only guy using it at night, except for the two tunnels that are there for the road to go over the path. That night, as I was approaching the second tunnel, my eyes start to see to see two silhouette in the tunnel. Unusual but it's not like they're not allowed to be there, I first think. I enter the tunnel and my eyes get used to the light so I can now see that they're placed on each side of the walls facing each other and I see that they see me. I get past them and they don't say a word, I notice that they each had a bottle in one hand and a some sort of stick in the other. I finally get out of the tunnel, 
puzzled as to what those guys are doing. I still remember all those details because it was so curious to see, the unfeeling expression of theirs faces, how still they weir and the weird stick in their hand. But what made it scary was when I got 30 meter away from the tunnel exit still questioning myself, boom, an explosion, I quickly looked behind me. A cloud of smoke is filling the tunnel and I can't see anything neither do I hear anything else. These two details were proof enough to me that I needed to get the F away. I made safely back home cycling like it was the end sprint of the Tour de France. I never had any more insight on what happened that night. It happened in Cleveland in June 2000. I had been up all night at a friend's house in the town of Tribby, playing video games. I didn't want to sleep there, so I said goodbye and headed home. I knew my car was making a funny noise, but I thought surely I could get home. Well, I was driving down a long, dark stretch of highway with nothing but forests and a few sparse country houses. I was coming up to the top of a long hill when suddenly my car stopped pulling forward. The engine revved, but no gears would engage, my CV joint just went out. I was hoping that wouldn't happen. I had no way of getting home, so I backed up down the road in neutral and off onto a side road. I thought about staying and sleeping in the car, but something told me not to do that. I had an eerie feeling of being watched. So I grabbed my video game case and the machete that I had made from a lawnmower blade and started walking. I kept noticing the feeling of being watched, and it felt like I was being followed. I kept looking behind me and saw nothing, but when a car passed by heading in the direction behind me, it illuminated the area with its headlights, and I saw something behind me in the ditch, hunched down low. It was huge, and I could tell it looked animal but had definite humanoid features. It seemed to have arms, but its head was mostly canine. Its head was very large, and its eyes glowed red when the lights hit them. Well, I've seen enough werewolf movies to know that this wasn't a good situation, so I started running. That probably wasn't the best choice because I know that predators like to chase things that run from them. When the car had passed, the creature had darted into the trees. I thought that was the best time to run, so I did. I ran for about a quarter mile and looked back, but didn't see a thing, so I kept walking. Well, I kept checking behind me and off to the side where the tree line was. I knew it was still out there and probably following me. Yeah, I was afraid, but I was also prepared to defend myself with my machete if need be. I came up onto another hill and saw a farmhouse off in the distance to my left down a long dirt driveway. The moon was almost full and the area around the house was clear, so I could see a guy out there messing with his trucks as I walked by. Then he turned on a spotlight on his truck and spotted me with it. I kept walking because his property said no trespassing, and many out there wouldn't hesitate to unload on a strange trespasser. I knew it was close again, probably closer now, and I was about to turn around and face it when another car came over the top of the hill and passed me going behind me again. I followed with my eyes and noticed this time it was a cop. Thinking quickly, I dropped my machete on the edge of the grass and waved as he passed. His lights hit the ditch as well, and I saw the dog man was very close, but it darted into the trees yet again. Thankfully, a moment later, 
The cop stopped and turned around. He came back and asked me what I was doing out there, so I told him what happened with my car. I didn't mention the dog man, though he may have thought I was crazy, I asked him for a ride home. He agreed after wanting to go check and make sure my car wasn't blocking the road. After we checked it, he agreed to take me home. I don't know what might have happened that night if he hadn't shown up, and it was the only time I was genuinely happy to see a police officer. This happened a few days ago, and it's not super creepy, but it spooked me for a few days. I'm in Costa Rica right now, and a bunch of us wanted to hike to a waterfall in an indigenous part of the town we're in. It's about an hour plus walk between houses, then across a creek, and through the woods where you scale or climb a cliff to reach the top. We see a guy just sitting on the grass before the creek, and we ask how far to the waterfall. He says 15 more minutes but it's hard to find. We tell him it's okay, we have a map, no worries. About 20 minutes pass, and we're looking at the map when we hear him say that we missed the turn. This dude followed us quietly for 20 minutes with not one of us noticing. He takes us to the turn, we say, thank you, and we never see him again. Fast forward about an hour later, we're hanging out, splashing around, eating lunch, whatever. There are some locals in a different spot, but they're too far to make conversation or acknowledge, so we don't. This kid walks up to us with two shot glasses full of clear liquid and asks if we want shots. We all look around and say, nah, we don't drink, we do but didn't want to be rude, you know? We start to pack up our things to leave, and I look over, and this kid throws whatever was in the shot glasses into the woods nearby. My stomach drops, and we hightail it out of there. I don't know if it was drugs or a prank or what, but it scared the shit out of me. So I've lived in Baxter, Minnesota for about three years now. My first year living here, I kept seeing what looked like a giant black wolf peeking out of the woods. It was huge. And would just calmly peek out of the woods at me, and disappear back into the woods. I called DNR just to let them know about the wolf. And after finding a mangled rabbit corpse in the street, DNR came out and checked the area out. But the DNR has never found any wolves or evidence of wolves, and claim I must have seen a fox or maybe a coyote. But I know what I've seen. Now sometime around September 12, 2020, I was up late past midnight talking on the phone, when I started hearing what sounded like a growling or barking dog. The more I kept listening, it sounded like a very very strange dog. I listened to one of the recordings on your site, and the one recording sounds exactly like what I heard. Whatever it was that I heard, eventually sounded like it was fighting with something else. The something else actually kind of sounded like an angry goose. There are double swamps by my house, so there are plenty of geese around. But not many dogs over here. Could I have previously been seeing the dog man or werewolf? And could the sounds I heard possible be him or her? My girlfriend and I used to love to go out and look at the night sky during summer. It was basically a daily ritual for us. Every night we would go to the same spot, around the same time, at 11pm or so. 
Our spot was in a suburban area and it was on school ground with a big hill and on the other side of the hill was kind of secluded from everything else. The hill was right next to the woods, so it wasn't uncommon to hear rustling about from animals. This time, it wasn't like that. Initially, we both were hesitant on going to the spot this time because we both had a weird feeling in our guts like we shouldn't go, which was weird because we never felt scared about going to the spot until that specific night. After contemplating for a few moments, we decided we should go anyways despite being a little cautious. It was pitch black out and mildly foggy, and if it weren't for the lights of the school parking lot I wouldn't have been able to see my hand in front of my face. As we were arriving to our hangout spot with our blankets, we noticed a dark object exactly where we like to lay. It was the size of a large male. He must have been dressed in all black because I got about 5 feet away from him and that is when I realized he was there. Instantly, I tell my girlfriend to run and we bolt back to the car. I looked back a couple of times and didn't see anything. We were both freaked out and agreed to never talk about the incident again. We never went back and have no plans to in the future. This happened in the late 1970s. My dad and his best friend John were in forestry and working on a team of four on a cut north of Chehalis, British Columbia. The first night in camp they had heard rustling and branches breaking along the darkened perimeter. Thinking nothing of it they went to bed and woke early next morning to find their food supplies had been ransacked at night. They cleaned up and then went about their day following the trees on the slope and using the winch to pull them up. My dad and John, who was an indigenous man, commented to each other about the feeling like they were being watched. John was a cautious man and believed the stories of the Sasquatch and was worried they were disturbing their sacred land on what he called Sasquatch Mountain. That night around the fire they still felt the eerie feeling. John was becoming more and more nervous. Trying to shake it off they went to bed and again awoke to their supplies ransacked and the chains on their saws pulled off thinking it was environmentalists who had been in the area spiking trees. They shook it off, fixed the saws, and carried on late in the afternoon. The boss came to camp and told the foreman that it was time to pack up. They had been ordered to leave which was odd as they were scheduled to fall there for a week. My dad and John were responsible for bringing the DC-5 cat down the mountain to the trailer as there was nowhere for them to turn the truck and trailer around. It was parked at the bottom of the logging road. Night was starting to fall and after cleaning up camp John drove the DC-5 down the road. My dad sat on the toolbox on the right side. The other two loggers had left with the boss. The unnerving feeling of being watched struck them both again. It was dusk and hard to see up into the tree line along the side of the road but my dad was sure he saw a set of eyes and a shadowy human-like outline. He aimed his flashlight up in the tree line and the light caught the reflection of a pair of eyes and then another. John was driving the cat as fast as they would go which wasn't fast at all. As they continued there was a loud painful guttural yowl that echoed through the mountains. A hail of rocks and boulders of all sizes started raining down on them, some that would be too big for a human to lift. The larger rocks pummeled the DC-5 roof and engine. Some smaller ones hit my dad in the leg and the back of the arm. He tried to shine the light into the trees and saw five sets of eyes reflect back. 
I can only imagine the sheer terror both men felt trying to get to the bottom of the mountain. They eventually got to the main road and loaded the DC-5 onto the trailer. They jumped in the truck without tying the cat down and drove down the highway to a gas station where John pulled in. John was silent while he helped my dad put the chains on the cat to tie it down to the trailer. My brothers and I were playing a game of dusk hide and seek when my dad got home. He and John got out of the truck and we all went inside. I always thought John was a brave warrior yet that night he had been brought to tears of terror. He sat in the living room chair, beer in hand, and repeated with a whisper, I knew it was a bad idea to go up there. Tears streamed down his face. My dad had welts on his leg, back, and arms from taking the brunt of many of the rocks that had been thrown. My grandmother helped with my dad's wounds as he told us what happened. John was pale and eventually sat almost catatonic clutching the beer but not drinking it. The next morning we all went outside to look at the DC-5. The roof had been pushed in on the front right corner. There were clear dents on the engine casing and on the wire windows of the cab. This had been a relatively new machine and it looked trashed on one side. John quit working in forestry and moved his family up the canyon. He was never the same after that. Dad continued for another season before getting injured and quitting, but he never took jobs up Sasquatch Mountain ever again. A friend hiked up at Stone Mountain at about 2 a.m. to view the sunrise. He waited for two hours prior, halfway going up, he saw something in a tree. Thinking it was a rodent, he disregarded it. He was nearly at the top when it appeared again, but it was bigger. He told me it was like a small person who had a long scraggly beard, and something shiny in hand. He didn't know if he had hallucinated, or had actually seen it, but he knew that was real. He got to the top, and he was fearful that it would come do something to him. He watched the sunrise, and on his way back down, he saw it again, this time even lower and closer to him than before. He ran to his car, and drove the hell out of there. He to this day doesn't feel confident about hiking up there again at night, but last time I had, I didn't see a thing. Two weeks later, another of my friends saw the same thing but she exited the area quicker than him. You aren't supposed to hike up after hours, they only specify dawn to dusk, but they don't care. Now it's like an in-joke only me, my friends, and now the people of Reddit know about. I'll start off by saying that I have never believed in any of these sort of creatures, but I saw something in early 2009 that really disturbed me and is making me change my mind. I was not under the influence of any drugs, and I have better than average eyesight, and the lighting was nearing sunset, but I was still able to see clearly. So, I'll get this underway and explain my story and maybe someone can shed some light on this for me. I live in Fergus Falls, Minnesota, which is in west-central Minnesota, about an hour drive from Fargo, North Dakota. My mother-in-law lives out in the country, about three to four miles out of Fergus Falls, and I was staying there while my wife and her mother went shopping in town. They called me, and asked if I wanted to go to a 7pm movie. So, I left the house at about 6.30pm 6.45pm to meet them at the theater. 
about two miles from their house on a country road known as the Wendell Road, along the Mastinka River, I saw three white-tailed deer. Two of the deer were rather small, probably just yearlings and a larger doe, who I assumed was their mother. Me being an avid hunter, lover of wildlife, and future wildlife biologist, stopped to look at the deer. I should also mention that I hunt in the area and have spent my whole life in the Fergus Falls area. The deer were following a small creek bed, which is in fact the Mistinka River, so there were hardly any trees, except for one. Maybe, because I didn't see it there, because of the tree, but I just noticed something crouching behind the tree on my side of the road, looking at the deer, and to my belief, hunting them. It just sat there, looking at the deer, taking no notice of me, even though I was in my truck, no more than 40 yards away, with a clear view, with nothing obstructing my view of it. It had one hand on the tree that it was bracing itself with. What struck me as shocking was the fact that it seemed to be a two-legged creature, and not a four-legged one. Its hands appeared to have opposable thumbs, and were rather slender and long, very unlike a wolf. The creature looked as though if it stood upright, it would be over seven feet tall, with a protruding muzzle, broad shoulders, a slender waist, thick, muscular thighs, and being as there was snow on the ground, I couldn't see the feet. He was deep, dark brown in color throughout the body. After several seconds of looking at the creature in shock, the deer ran off. Then, something amazing happened. It looked right at me. As though blaming me for losing his meal. He just sat there, looking at me, and blinking, but not moving. This scared the crap out of me, so I hit the gas pedal and drove off. It was very dark after the movie, so I didn't much feel like trudging through the three five feet of snow, with the possibility of a monster lurking in the area, who is currently looking for a meal that I scared off. So, at about 10 am, I went back there and walked down to the tree. Under the tree, there was no snow, so there were no tracks that I could see, but leading up to the tree, there were three tracks leading in from my grandmother-in-law's field, which was hard, black dirt, and if you know what a Minnesota field looks like in late winter or early spring, you can't make anything out of the dirt. The tracks I did find were only about 6 to 7 inches in length, but were clearly K9 prints, with the exception of four toe-looking marks in the snow. I was hiking in the South Carolina swamp land, it has these huge trees with raised roots. Beautiful stuff but you gotta be careful since there are loads of animals and junk. My sis and I got hella lost and we were super tired trying to find our way out of the swamp, when we heard this strange wheezing sound. Something moved near the water. It was a wild pig. Huge and black and looking right at us from the bushes. These things charged so my sis and I just stayed super still. We both run cross country and track but we were way too tired to even think about out running this thing, he was huge. Up to my knee and everything. I hate pigs. Seriously freaks me out. I blame pig from Batman. Anyway, the pig runs off and my sis and I managed to get out of the swamp. We get stopped by some other hikers who tell us we were super lucky. We thought they were talking about the pig, but they said with all the rain the gators have been up and about. 
We saw a bunch in the river you were walking along. Still gives me shivers. Not creepy or paranormal, but definitely pants shittingly crazy. I used to pull double trailer loads for UPS at night. Was driving on I-40 East in North Carolina when I saw plain lights in the sky directly ahead of me. Nothing out of the ordinary except they were much lower than normal, and dropping. And coming directly at me. I try to ignore it but it keeps dropping and is still heading straight at me. At this point it's close to taking out the tall highway lights along the median, so I'm like okay, this is happening and start preparing to veer off the side into the grass. I get to the far right lane as it's probably no more than a few hundred feet from colliding with me when it suddenly turns to my right and begins to lift back into the air. I don't know if the pilot dozed off, or there was an altercation, or he or she was just showboating, but my asshole didn't unclench for at least the next hour of my trip. My mother, My aunt and I were driving through rural Alberta and realized we were too tired to make it to our destination. We stopped at a motel in a small town, extremely late at night, parking lot deserted, Bates type. We figured we'd get a room easy, right? Nope. Had to argue with the front desk clerk to get a room, the clerk kept insisting they were full up, despite there being no other cars in the parking lot. Finally, we get a room, a creepy room. The next morning, when we wake up at 6am to go on. The whole parking lot is packed. And we didn't hear a thing. I'm an 18-year-old woman who lives in New Mexico. I'm Navajo and half Mondan Hadatsa. I have been curious to see what other skinwalker stories are about and I can kind of relate. My family never mentioned skinwalkers or witches to me so I knew nothing about them. My grandpa died a few months ago this summer so my parents sent me to live with my grandma to help her around her ranch on the res. Well, I brought my cat along. Well just after two weeks of living there my cat went missing I figured that he would come back but he never did. I called him and looked for him but nothing. So I went to go put some hay behind the barn for the horses when I saw my orange cat's remains. I thought maybe something attacked him like a coyote so I picked it up and I saw that there were no bones just skin and the outside of his fur there was red and yellow even white paint on the outside of him. I couldn't figure out what it was. I buried him behind a hill with a little stone with his name carved on it. I was so heartbroken. My grandma said she could get me a new cat but I didn't want a new cat. Soon enough I kept hearing meows outside the Hogan and scratches at the door. My grandma doesn't have any other cats so I would open the door and find nothing. And when I went to go check on my cat's grave and dig it up to make sure he was still there he was gone but his bones were there. I just couldn't believe it. Why were his bones there? I thought I buried his skin? Ever since I lived there I have experienced some of the strangest things in my life. I don't want to go back and live there. I can't even share what kind of crazy things happened to me because from there I drew the line. I was confused and scared about these people but at the same time, I knew I was one of these people. I have a greater respect for the Navajo people which is why I don't think getting involved with skinwalkers is a good idea. Just don't mess with them and they won't mess with you.
used to work overnight shift doing industrial x-rays. We would go to a fabrication yard and do our work after the night shift left for the night. The yard was about 1.5 hours away so we whooped leave the city at about 2 am in our big cube truck. So one night B and my buddy are heading out, there's not much traffic at this hour and we were just leaving the outskirts of the city and getting up to highway speeds when I see something up ahead. I quickly realized there were three young moose in the road. Springtime in Canada's it's not uncommon to see young moose on the highways but I've never seen more than one at a time, and not this close to the city. I hit the brakes hard but this truck was pretty heavy and I knew I wouldn't stop in time. My first instinct was to hit the horn and scare them but I immediately realized the way they were I might be able to steer between them. But if I hit the horn they might scatter and I might end up hitting more than one. I was lucky I got this beast of a truck speed down enough to steer between them and came to a full stop. I could actually look into one of their eyes as I steered between them and I saw terror in the poor animal's eyes. Just as I thought them finally seeing us scared them and they scattered and ran past the front of the now stopped truck and off into the woods. We just sat there for a couple minutes in total shock. We couldn't believe our luck. It happened when I was younger. We had been snowed in for a few days and my girlfriend needed cigarettes. She was driving me nuts. So I threw on my winter gear and took off for the grocery store which was a 3 hour hike from where we were, mountain country. I was planning to be there at dawn when the store opened so I could pick up some other things we needed. There was a full moon that night, so seeing wasn't a problem. It was bright enough to read by. About an hour into my journey, I thought I heard a woman laughing. I stopped. Looked around, and listened. Nobody. So I kept on trucking. Another hour later, I hear some more laughter and I catch something from the corner of my eye. I turned to look and saw the woman. The woman was my girlfriend's size. Maybe 5 foot 2. She was in her late teens or early 20s. She was a brunette who wore her hair in a bun and had skin as white as milk. And she was completely naked. I could do nothing but stand there and look at her. The woman acted as if she was impervious to the cold, and it was cold. She never said anything, but she laughed a little while she sized me up. Finally the woman turned around, shook her bare ass at me and then motioned for me to follow her off somewhere. I didn't move a muscle. You see, my grandfather was a Scotsman who believed in fairies and he had told his grandson all about the dangers of meeting strange women in the woods. The woman turned around and saw I wasn't coming. That got her mad and she took up this I'm so angry at you Tinkerbell pose with her hands on her hips. I started to walk away and I could hear her sputtering in anger until she was out of sight. A couple hours later, I'm in town and I report the woman to the constable. He said his guys would be on the lookout for the woman, I found out later I wasn't the only person who saw her. Then I went to the store, bought the cigarettes and a few other items. Like some oatmeal cookies which my grandfather said would help if you were lost in the woods and maybe pixelated. Got back home before noon. My girlfriend was pissed that I had taken so long. She didn't believe my story either. That summer, I dropped her and got me a new girlfriend who didn't smoke.
When I was younger I was heading to a friend's house right down the road in the middle of the night. It was all back roads and rural area. I made a sharp turn onto his road and there was someone in the middle of the road holding a knife. I sat there in fear for a second. Then I thought about how dumb I was being and drove around the person. Still one of the scariest moments of my life. I was at a music festival, pagan metal, yes, it's important, and went back to the remote camping alone. I was high, and the camping was kinda far away. I thought, hey, just hike your way back, so I took the long way around. Needless to say, I got lost. I got mildly panicked, but not that much, so I kept going. I saw a light coming from a fire between the trees. Good. These people will help me, I thought, so I kept walking forward. I found myself in a small field with one huge and two smaller bonfires, people in robes chanting in an unknown language and screaming and dancing. Bloody animal skins were dripping with blood, and a rotten sheep corpse was oozing with unknown liquids. I screamed out of fear, and they all stopped. And looked at me. I knew I was trespassing on something ancient and I wouldn't be able to just walk away. And then I stopped being a moron and actually looked at the scene. It was the aid, the end of Ramadan. They were wearing jalabas, roasting some juicy sheep. Yeah, it was bloody around where they killed it, but that's kind of normal. They were chanting and having a good family and friend party. They even had some booze for the family members who were not active Muslims. They invited me in and laughed a lot when I explained why I looked so scared at first. I stayed all night with them, having a really good time. Edit, another time, a guy jacked off behind a bush on me and my girlfriend bathing in a waterfall. Actually creepy but less entertaining. I, Detective Mahefi from Alamo, Van Buren County, Michigan along with Jay Rude, have been in Cincinnati for a couple of days, searching for a young man named Dwight T. Holmes, whom we believe to be here. It's a matter of life and death, and finding Holmes is of utmost importance. The account shared by Mr. Rude is quite extraordinary, and his own daughter is a key figure in the story. On the evening of January 9th, his daughter Kitty attended a candy pull in Alamo with Holmes. The couple, along with Miss Annette Garlanger, waited at her home for her folks to return. With Holmes's curiosity about his mesmeric powers, he first put Miss Garlanger under hypnotic influence, making her smoke a cigar and perform other actions at his command. He then experimented on Miss Kitty Rude, a person of a very nervous disposition prone to hysterical attacks. Holmes found her to be an easy subject, compelling her to engage in a series of absurd acts, concluding with the order to feign death. Immediately, she assumed a corpse-like state, and her respiration ceased. Holmes, alarmed, sought the village doctor, who, after examination, attributed the young lady's condition to heart disease. The grieving parents accepted this, and a funeral took place on Friday, January 13th. Holmes disappeared on Thursday night. As the coffin descended into the grave, Miss Garlanger became hysterical. She was taken home, and gradually, the story of the case unfolded. A rush to the cemetery ensued, 
with a group of men digging at the newly made grave. The body was brought home, and Dr. Vanderberg, the leading physician at Paw Paw, the county seat, conducted a critical examination, determining that she was not dead but in a trance. Hypnotists from various places were called, yet they proved ineffective. The parents believe that only Holmes can help their daughter, as he alone, having induced her hypnotic condition, can release her. Miss Rude remains at her home, appearing lifeless, while Holmes is suspected of hiding to avoid arrest for manslaughter. Despite this, he is described as a very good-looking young man with an excellent reputation. Was driving in a nearby tourist town and it was dark. Myself, partner and kids were in the car. All of a sudden out of nowhere a girl in a white dress walked out in front of my car. I screamed, slammed on the brakes. But she just disappeared, vanished. Nowhere to be seen. It was insane. The town is called Portlington in Victoria, Australia. I would love to research the history one day to try make sense of what happened that night. My mom wasn't a trucker but was in Michigan on a road trip with some friends. She drew first shift for driving, and they left around 5 am so she was pretty tired. Anyway they're driving in silence for a good while, then my mom sees an animal standing on the side of the road and bursts out, holy cow, a kangaroo. In the middle of upper Michigan. They didn't let her drive much longer after that. As the sun dipped below the horizon, casting a warm glow over the vast expanse of fields, Robert and his friend John stood on the outskirts of the farm a few miles outside of Sandy, Oregon. The air was crisp, carrying the familiar scent of earth and the promise of a cool evening. The farm, a picturesque scene under the fading light, held a secret, a tale that lingered in the whispers of the wind. Robert and John reminisced about the strange events that had unfolded on the farm decades ago, back in the early 80s. It all began with peculiar sounds emanating from the dense woods that bordered the property. John's parents, curious and slightly uneasy, would huddle together at night, trying to decipher the mysterious noises that echoed through the darkness. One evening, curiosity got the better of John. The young boy, filled with a sense of adventure, crept to the edge of the woods to investigate the strange sounds that had become a nightly occurrence. As he ventured deeper into the shadows, he was met with an unexpected sight, a creature, a Bigfoot, standing about 200 feet away from the house. The creature, towering at 5 foot 6 inches, locked eyes with John. In that moment, an uncanny connection passed between the boy and the enigmatic being. John was sure he saw a grin spread across the creature's face before it turned and ambled away into the woods. The encounter left John both bewildered and fascinated, etching a memory that would linger for a lifetime. Decades later, Robert, now an old friend, visited John at the farm. The two men, bound by years of friendship and the shared memory of that peculiar night, decided to revisit the site where the enigmatic creature had made its brief but impactful appearance. The woods, once a source of mystery and trepidation, now stood silent under the watchful gaze of the setting sun. 
As they walked through the familiar terrain, John recounted the details of that night, each word carrying the weight of a memory that had never faded. The rustling leaves and the gentle sway of the branches seemed to echo the whispers of the past. They reached the spot where John had stood, a vantage point that connected him to the mysterious being. The two friends, now older and wiser, exchanged glances, silently acknowledging the rarity of such encounters. The farm, once a backdrop to an unexplained phenomenon, held its secrets close, guarded by the trees that had witnessed it all. And as Robert and John stood there, looking over the site, the echoes of the past seemed to meld with the present, creating a timeless connection between man and the mysteries that lurk within the woods of Sandy, Oregon. I'm not a long-haul trucker but me and my friends were at our usual swimming hold with a dock and all like a public access and there was an old dude getting shells for his wife when he pulled out a human jawbone. Turns out it was a dude that went missing like 10 years ago I guess he got stuck under a rotted log under near the dick and no one know. Literally 100s of people including my whole family were swimming and fishing less than 25 feet away from his body just crazy to think someone could be dead that close to you and no. One would know. I just listened to your podcast about Ouija boards. I've got an interesting story. My ex-wife used to dabble with Ouija boards. We were horsing around with it one night and the following weekend. I'd gone out fishing with a friend of mine and came home later that evening. My ex-wife and I watched TV for a while and then we went to bed. It was about 11.30 or 12 o'clock at night. The back door of the house and the front door of the house were in line with each other and our bedroom was at the other end of the house. I was just dozing off when I swore I heard the back door open and somebody entered then closed the door and walked through my kitchen. I went to my dresser drawer and I grabbed my 9mm handgun. I took it out and I'm standing in my hallway thinking, God, help. I don't want to have to do this. I got locked and loaded and I swung out into the hall and there was just enough residual light in the living room that I could see the silhouette of this individual, about 6 foot 3, a bit of a stocky person. I uttered some expletives and told him to freeze right where he was or I was gonna shoot him. Do you remember the old window shades where you pull them down, and let them go up? They go shoop and they go up and they spin around? Yeah, well, that's exactly what happened to this fellow. He went straight up, just like the old window shades. He just went straight up and vanished. And that was a very puckering experience if you know what I mean. I'll never forget it. We had other interesting happens in that house too. We had clocks that mysteriously would just side off the shelf and drop on the floor for no reason at all. Not a trucker, but I drive 40-50k miles per year. Brothers and I driving home at night from a concert, it was after 1am and we were between the ages of 14 to 19. We come to the last intersection of our trip, about a mile from our house, and we stop at the red light, waiting to make a left-hand turn. Pitch black, no street lights, just the red glow of the stoplight, and all of a sudden a guy covered in blood stumbles and slams himself against the passenger window. We scream and blow through the light, freaking out, wondering what the hell that was, 
Zombie? Crazy psychopath? Turns out there had been a bad wreck a little further up the road and the guy was stumbling down the street, badly injured, trying to find help. We were scared to death at the time, but felt terrible the next day after hearing about him on the news. We live in Lac du Bonnet, Manitoba, Canada. On the night of November 30, 2016, my husband went to bed slightly before me. He was on the far side of the bed facing towards my side and the door. I came to bed slightly after him. I lay down and closed my eyes. I reopened my eyes as I had an uneasy feeling and saw a grey alien entity standing beside my husband. I immediately closed my eyes tight as I was so scared. I reopened my eyes to ensure that I had seen what I had seen. It was still standing beside my husband looking at us. I was not dreaming as I had just laid down. I kept my eyes closed and went to sleep shortly after. Both of us slept through the night which is totally unusual for both of us and we woke up feeling very refreshed. Shortly after this encounter, my husband's hair began falling out in patches all over his head and his hair went very grey with a broad grey streak down the top center of his head. I also lost a significant amount of hair from my head but mostly the top center of my head. I did not get patches like my husband. The bald patches on my husband's head did not grow in for several months and then started to grow in. After the encounter, my husband was almost totally grey-haired. Slowly his patches began growing back in but the new hair was totally dark brown with little or no grey. His remaining hair started growing dark brown. At this time his hair is almost pure dark brown as it was before the encounter but his beard remains white. We discuss the encounter with each other and feel that we were likely affected by radiation from the entity and we may have been abducted and returned. Not a long haul trucker, I work cash in transit in North Dakota, last month me and a co-worker were taking a truck up to Dratton. This is about 3 in morning, we were on the 29 heading north near the big clover leaf overpass and standing in the middle of the road is just this big guy standing in the middle of the highway dressed like a Wookiee. I don't mean Chewbacca, I mean just an random Wookiee with dark coloring. This dude had to have handmade this outfit and he's standing in the middle of the highway at 3am. Naturally we shit our pants thinking this is going to be some sort of attempted robbery, we slowed down, but didn't stop, for obvious reasons, so I got a pretty good look at the guy. He had to have been like 6 foot 8 inches we're looking around for vehicles, there didn't appear to be any, as we get right to him, he just moved to the side of the road and watched us pass. We called it in dispatch said they'd let the local Leos know about it, but didn't hear anything more about it. The whole thing was just jank, 3am in winter standing in the highway dressed as a Wookiee. I thought for sure we were going to be in some sort of robbery attempt, I had my finger ready to hit the panic button. Late night driving, low on hours, low on sleep your eyes start to play tricks on you. We call it seeing the black dog. You will literally see a black dog out of the corner of your eye, or up ahead on the shoulder. It is a clear signal it's time to shut it down. There are a lot of stories that get passed around. 
50% are your average brand of counter of knowledge bullshit and the other 50% are black dogs. It was super dark and I was driving across country following behind a car because I could follow their lights. After a while they turned left I passed the place where they turned I looked and there was no turn only a concrete wall and the car lights driving on the other side. Not spooky but interesting nonetheless. My uncle is a long haul trucker. He was at a truck stop one night getting ready to go to bed and a lot lizard, reed, prostitute, knocked on his door. He opened the door and told her he didn't want anything from her and to go away. He watched her wander over to another truck and they let her in. A few minutes later she climbed back out, squatted down over a mud puddle, splashed her hua out and went on to the next truck. I work at a fine dining restaurant and have for years at this point and this happened about three years ago. When I first started there, there was this server and we'll call her Miss Mary for now. Her health was already in decline when I first started working there, but after about a year or so her health started falling off a cliff. She had cancer, and it was rapidly spreading through her body. She got cancer from smoking cigarettes but she really didn't care even when she had cancer and would continue chain smoking as she always had, she was always a loopy, bubbly type, but you could tell that deep down inside, she knew she was screwed with no way back so she just kept smoking because she knew the end was near soon anyway. Now her and I. I don't know, I wouldn't say we had a friendship or anything she was just my co-worker and she was also pretty old like in her 60s and me in my early 20s so it wasn't like we ever hit it off or anything like that. She was just an old co-worker that I'd talk to on rare occasions here and there. Literally the only thing we had in common is that we are both Aries. Now, I'm not one to get all super invested into astrology kind of stuff, but I do feel like it maybe has something to do with what happened. Anyway, Miss Mary's heath started to get extremely bad, to the point she was missing work all of the time because she was in too much pain. And about a week or two before she passed she actually called our manager, who she was good friends with, to let her know that she was dying, and was going to die sooner rather than later. About a week or so of being off from work later she finally comes in one day for a shift, and she was. Green. Like her skin was literally a gross green color. I felt so bad but I remember turning to one of my other co-worker friends and saying, bro, she's going to die tonight. My friend looked at me all puzzled and mad that I would say something like that, but I reiterated no bro, look at her, she's literally green man. I guarantee you she is going to die tonight I can just tell. Lo and behold at the end of the night she went into the work bathroom and never came out. About an hour or so later the boss kicked the door down and she was laying on the floor of the bathroom unresponsive. Miss Mary was rushed to the ER but unfortunately was pronounced past a day or two later. We had a remembrance of her at our work and in what used to be her table section a picture was put up of her on the wall over her favorite table. Fast forward exactly one year later. I went to bed like any other normal night. But what occurred once I went to sleep was anything but normal. I had a lucid dream. A very vivid. Lucid dream. 
I rarely if ever have a lucid dream and if I do it's so rare that I usually remember them all. Anyway in this dream, I was working at my job. I hate those. Work dreams uck, I remember it was just like any normal day at the job and mind you in my dream it took place in the current day, meaning that in my dream Miss Mary was already dead and her picture was on the wall. Well, where it gets extremely weird is when I went over to that table, table 13, the table with her picture on the wall. It's a booth table against the wall. In my dream I went over to the booth table to check on the guests and as I do I notice that one of the guests plate is empty so I go to pick it up with my hand, when all of a sudden, out of nowhere I hear Miss Mary come in and say no, don't worry sweetie I got it I froze in my dream. Because in the dream she is dead. And when I look up she. Still is dead. But back from the dead, she's all rotten and disgusting looking with maggots and the sort. I remember screaming because I realized this in my dream, everyone else in the restaurant also starts screaming and freaking out as well, guests start getting up and storming out of the restaurant. I remember hearing one guest say why. You. You're S. S. Supposed to be D. Dead. Around this time is when I wake up. Honestly felt extremely shocked about the whole thing because nothing like that had ever happened to me and I don't know how or why it did. What are your thoughts? Was she just visiting? Or was she actually trying to haunt me? Does our signs have anything to do with it? I started thinking about this more and more and wanting to post this lately because this is around the time that it happened. She died in the beginning of December. Thoughts?